What's going on guys? Welcome back to a very, very special episode of the Riz Podcast. As you can see, I'm being dwarfed, uh, which isn't usually what happens, but that's what happens when you sit in between two boxing legends. You've got Haseem Rahman on my left and Mohsin Rahman on my right. Kaysen. Mohsin Kaysen. Mohsin Kaysen on my right. And uh, guys, I think this is just a really, really special episode because uh, Haseem Rahman, who's sitting on my left, as you may or may not know, is a former two-time world heavyweight champion, and it's just a real honor and privilege to be sat here next to you today. So appreciate you. Appreciate you. So I wanted to really kind of get started on this podcast, and the way that we do things is we kind of go from past into present into the future. So I want to start with your story up until where we are today, and then I want to understand where you are today and what your future is for the vision what your vision is for the future. And I think both of you are at different levels of your career. You know, you've, you've gone through it and you're at the start. So, you know, this is going to be a really interesting episode today, guys. So I wanted to start off today. Um, if I start off with uh, Hasim on my left. So you were born 1972. 1972. Oh, man. Oh, man. Were you, were you Muslim? Born Muslim? Yes. Your family Muslim? Yeah. Mashallah. Okay. So where I want to begin is your journey. So, where were you born? Baltimore, Maryland. And what was, I mean, I know Baltimore through, I think it was, um, what's that show? That, the Wire. The Wire. That's what I know, Baltimore. You really are my friends. <laughs> so, what was it like growing up for you? So, as a kid, say for example, when you're like five or six years old, what's life like in Baltimore? Because from what I understand, kids in those type of environments have to grow up very, very quickly. So, what's the situation for you at this point? Oh, at five, six years old, I was living in the projects. Uh, just, just um, my role models were the bad guys. They were the guys that I looked up to. The guys had all the money, had the nice cars, and they—that was who, like, I wanted to be like mm. those guys because they had all the all the women, all the you know, just everything that I thought I wanted in life. They had. Mm. So um, for me, I aspired to be like them mm. because my mom was struggling. Mm. And when I wanted something, she may or may not have had the money, but I can go out to, to, to the bigger guys in the neighborhood and they had the money. They would buy things for me. So that's, that's, I thought that's what I wanted to be. Mm. Right, okay. So you're basically looking at the people who are in front of you. They've got the money, they've got the cars, they've got the power, they've got the status. And why would you not want to aspire to that? But your role models were also were, were only doing it in an illegal manner. Right. So you're only you're only understanding on life and your education of life is if I want to get to that position, I need to do what they're doing. Is that would you say that that's accurate? Um, I knew it was other ways to do it, but it would take much ah, okay. longer. You know, like um okay, well, if you do this, if you, you gotta go to school for this many years, mm. and then you can do this and you can do that, you can make it, or you can get this right off the break. Mm. You know, you can make what the doctors and lawyers making in a year, in a week. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm just taking this off, sorry. Yeah. 
apologies for this. So you're, you're looking at these guys and you're looking at the two paths and you see one path which is long. Right. You're having to probably, you know, address someone every morning, your boss, you know, what should I do, where to go, you know, allow these many days off, this many, and you see this life and it's like, hey, I can get to where I want to get to very, very quickly. So the glamour of that life is what kind of attracted you to yeah, it. Yeah, was, it, was, it was too alluring for me to just pass up. Mm. Um, so as you're growing up then, um, you're getting involved in these gangs and uh, I mean, would you call it a gang? Because obviously nowadays... That's, 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 that's appropriate. Yeah. That's what more people can relate to. Yeah, yeah. So. Would you consider it more like a family? Like these people are my family, like they're looking after me. Is that how they bring that's, you into that's it? How they, that's how they, that's, that's the attraction. Mm. They want to bring it to you, bring, bring that to you like, well, we'll do for you what your mom won't mm. do for you. I can give you this, I can do this. Right. We got your back. You know, and um, and, and what, what made me believe that is when uh, I would see certain guys come home from prison mm. and, and they would just, everybody would be giving them a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll see a guy and he come home, by the end of the day, he might have 50000 in his pocket. Mm. So I'm like, wow, they're getting rewarded for coming home from prison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who needs to look for a job? <laughs> like, why would you need to look for a job? You got yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go around about six different neighborhoods, everybody giving you money. Yeah, yeah. Because they know, you know, you're going to get money and you're going to be able to return the favor. So I'm looking at it like, this is family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, I mean, 50000 just for just making a few appearances? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was, like, absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was real, like I, I was a kid and it was real impressionable. Mm. So it was like, wow, this got to me. I think one of the, the lines I want to go down towards is obviously a lot of people that will be watching this, they'll probably also be, you know, not all, not a lot, but actually a few will be part of gangs, few will be pushing drugs, few will be doing X, Y, and Z. If you could go back to who you were back in those days and I appreciate that the environment was very different but would you have done it differently or would you have still done it because that was the only option really at the time I 100% would have done it differently mm. 100% I'm going to just tell you this all the tough guys all the, all the, um, the who I thought was bosses you know um, one thing about being a boss if you when you take that route and you go to prison, mm. you're not a boss. You know, you, you gotta listen to when they tell you what to eat, yeah, when to eat, mm -hmm. when to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And if you wanna go see one of your relatives, mm -hmm. you gotta be strip searched. Mm. Like you gotta you, you gotta demean yourself every time you wanna see one of your loved ones. How how are you a boss? Mm. It's so embarrassing, mm. it's so despicable going to prison. You know, you gotta you, you humiliate yourself every day, mm. every day because you just you just at their at their beck and call, mm. whatever they want you to. Do. Now you the same guy on the street that you a boss, mm. you a killer, you 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 do you do these things. Nobody talk to you like that, but you go in there and they won't tell you 
Sit down in that cell, in this little teeny cell. Matter of fact, you stay in there all week. You get punished like a child. Mm. You treated like a child. But yet, you the same boss. Mm. It's like an oxymoron, it don't work. So, I mean. So it's interesting what you're saying though, because you've got, like I said, the, the one route which is a lot longer, like you were saying, the doctors, and, and then you've got this route which is quicker. So it's almost like if you go to it too quickly, then the opposite is what's waiting for you, which is, you could be a boss really quickly, but then you could be someone's, for want of a better term, someone's bitch in the prison straight after that. Whereas, you know, on this side, it's kind of, it's longer, but at least there's not that risk, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. But the, the thing about it, what, 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 um, what's misleading is these guys come home from prison, mm. they get showered with gifts, and then they talk right. about it. They talk about it as if it's an okay thing. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not okay, and that's the thing. People don't come home and tell a real story. Like you got to get, take your clothes off. Let me check you. Bend down. Squat. Cough. Do these things. Nobody come home and tell mm. those those stories. No, tell how embarrassing it is when you got to get searched and you got to get strip searched mm. for every visit. Like. Who wants to live their life like that if you're a man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're an adult, mm. you know, I mean, that's just no way to live your life. Mm. And people don't come home and tell that. They tell how much fun they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They come home and glorify being in prison. Mm. So then that will make a young, impressionable teenager or kid make you think it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's not. Any, young, any youngsters viewing this podcast... No, that's definitely not the route. You know, it's, it's better to just take a little longer, study, do your thing, do it the right way, 100%. It's, um, it, it's actually very profound what you're saying because you're right. Whenever I've spoken to anybody who's gone to prison, they don't want to talk about it. No, they never. But they still act as though they're some sort of guy when they come out. Right. You know, they don't, they don't say like, what you've said, you know, they say oh, I was a bad man in jail, you know? I was, right. like, yeah, I, I was, was tough. Oh. I was this, I was that. I, I had all I had all the commissary. I had mm. everything. I was living like a king in it. You can't live like a man when you when you being told you you actually treated like a child. Mm. You, you you told when to watch TV, when to shower, when to eat, what to eat, how to eat. Uh, if you want to see somebody, let me approve who you can see. Let me improve right. this. Let me improve it. You 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 get treated less than a child. That's crazy. So so all your manhood is stripped. And if you want your manhood stripped, then you do the wrong things. They got somewhere for you. How, how old are you, Muslim? You're 26. So you were born what, like 92, 93? 93. So there's a like a 21 year gap between the two of you, right? Because as I'm saying, this is interesting because just before we start this podcast, Hasim was saying. He was introducing his brother Mohsen to me and he was telling me, you know, mashallah, Hafid of the Quran, up and coming boxer. So it's, it seems as though your journey in your life has almost, you know, you can take that inspiration from your brother and say like, look, he made those mistakes, he made those errors because that's what the situation was. There was no one else kind of there to kind of guide you differently. How is kind of even hearing what um, your brother saying now, Asim, how do you think that that hasn't impacted your life? Um, it, it impacts it in a lot of ways, you know, as far as, you know, how to deal with things, how to approach um, things, you know, at, at times, 
it'll be times where you feel like you want to use your strength, your aggression, mm-hmm. on people, but you know, a brother like Hassan will tell you, you know, that's not really the way to go. You don't want to do this. You want to, you know, kind of um, strategically make your moves um, when you're dealing with situations in life. So I mean, and when he tells me those stories, like you said, if he tells us the real thing, it's like I don't never want to go here. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. So. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different, you know. It teaches you, it teaches me a lot, you know, how to deal with life and how to deal with the people mm. who, uh, who come into uh, my career in life. Excellent. Well, okay, so now I want to kind of push forward a little bit. So you were uh, working on the streets, dealing with these guys, you go to jail, and then you come out of jail and from the research that I've done, all the reading that I've done, it seemed as though something really did click in your head and you were like, I don't want to go back there. Is that the first time you went to prison and you thought that? I've never been to prison. Oh, okay, okay. I just you went know, to okay. jail. You know, like, um, but I've never went to prison. Like, okay. I went to jail twice for three weeks. Okay, okay. So that, that's, and I, I that's never enough. went to prison. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a lot of homies that okay. went to prison and, I, and, I, and just for me, going to jail was a, enough of a, of, of a revelation. Like, I don't, this is despicable, you know? And um, right. I, had a, I had a son. And, and, and that's what really, I think, was the, was the um, turning point for mm. me. Because I didn't, wanna, I didn't want my son to get spoiled to a lifestyle mm. that he was accustomed to, that his daddy was giving him everything he wanted. And then his dad just abruptly get taken away from him. And then what? What? What choice would he have? Well, look, you know, this is my family legacy. This is what mm. we do. So then he would have got into it. So I mean, I had to, I had to break the chain. I had to stop it. So um, how old were you at this point where this this kind of clicked for you? I was about nineteen. Okay. I was about nineteen. And, and when did you really kind of start on the streets? Like, how long was your, I suppose, your street? I was like, probably like 15 to... 15 to 19. 15 to 19. So four years, 15 to 20. And I, 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 start, I walked in the boxing gym at 20. Yeah. And when I walked in the boxing gym, I, I just left the streets alone. That's incredible. What is it about boxing that changes people's lives? I think, um, for me, it was the discipline. Um, I think it's... it's it's a sport where you you're responsible for everything on your own. You don't have a teammate. Uh, you can't blame the point guard. You can't blame mm. the quarterback. It's all on you. The onus for winning and losing yeah, is yeah, on yeah. you. So if, if 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 you don't if you don't prepare yourself, mm. like I always compare the um, the boxing ring to a polygraph. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Everybody always say how good a shit they in <laughs> and they train and it's the best training again. And then when they get in that ring, you find out just how, how much truth they speak it. Yeah. True shit. Because um Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it will tell them. Yeah, you know, yeah. It will tell them. You know, I've done it myself, so oh, I'm in good shape, this, mm. that and the third. I don't really be in good shape. Yeah. But if you can go in there and knock out quick you never really get exposed. But when you get in that hard fights, that's when, you know, that's when the polygraph clicking, oh, lie, lie, lie. So, uh, 
No, I, I just think it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate, like, place where the truth will, will, will either, either, either set you free mm. or it's going to expose you as a liar. Wow. So. That's super deep. That's super deep. And I want to touch upon this towards the end of, uh, of this podcast um, when we talk about kind of where we are and the event and everything that's happening. But before we get into that then, so you're 20 years old and what was the reason that you decided that I want to go boxing? Why not play American football? Why not play baseball? Why not anything else? You know? It was, it's funny because I was, <laughs> on the, I was actually on the streets yeah, yeah. and I was like a, a big deal in the streets. Okay. So somebody came up from behind me and grabbed me. Okay. Which was a no-no. <laughs> so I'm saying, well, this better be the cops, better be the police, because <laughs> nobody else would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when he let me go, he challenged me to a body punching contest. Okay. So I'm saying, and he, he was huge at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a former professional boxer. Okay. So now I know I can fight in the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know my heart won't allow me to to, to, to turn down a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had to do it. And I wind up getting the best of him. And I stopped him. So when he told me, he said, man, you hit so hard. He said, man, I would take you to the gym. You would make a million dollars. Wow. So when he told me that, wow, I'm like, whoa. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> so the guys like Riddick Gold and Lennox Lewis at the top of the head. So um, I'm saying, if I saw any of them on the streets right now, I could beat them. Okay. So I said, well, let's do it. And then, you know, I went to the gym, and it was love at first fight. Right. So the rest is history. Did you enjoy fighting? Because I know quite a few fighters, and they will tell me, we love, I mean, even yourself, do you, do you love fighting? Do you guys, as fighters, love fighting? Or is it for you uh, a means to an end? And is it for you a way to kind of propel yourself? Like, what, what was it like for you when you were 20? Similar age to Mossin, right? Yeah. Well, for me, it was, it was both. Okay. I love to fight, <laughs> and it was a means to an end. Okay. So, um, it wasn't one or the other. I didn't grow up in the amateur tournaments okay. and winning the Golden Gloves. And, and in fact, I only had 10 amateur fights. So it was like a, a rush, a rush job. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I really wanted to get in the mm-hmm. fight. I really wanted, like, it was, a, it was always a question to me when, when I was younger. Would you fight Mike Tyson for a million dollars? Mm. Yes. Yeah, I'd fight Mike Tyson for a million dollars. I get knocked out. Wait a minute, minute. this is the key though. It's a two part question. You're fighting for a million dollars, but you have to go 10 minutes. Oh. In order to collect that million. Okay. Anybody get in Asia? Oh, as soon as he hit me, I'm gonna fall. Yeah, yeah, that was my plan. Right, yeah. They're not gonna give you the million for that. You have to go 10 minutes. I would uh, I would train for months on cardio and just run. <laughs> you know, it's old I don't, I don't think Tyson would know, let me. But you know, it's old saying you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So give me a square ring. Yeah, exactly. Where am I gonna go? So anyway, <laughs> it, it, for me, it was, I love I love to fight, and it was amazing. And, and uh, so it's everything basically for it you. It was all inclusive. I can I can let out my rage, my anger. I can dominate a man and then I can get paid for it as well. It's kind of the trifecta for any man, you know? You want to be 
dominant, right? Everybody wants to be the dominant person, and this is everything in one. Yeah, it went from me hitting people on the streets, mm. knocking them out. Where and worrying about the repercussions as well. Worrying about the repercussions. I might go to jail for this. Yeah, they yeah, might yeah. go to police. All kinds of. They might shoot me. They might kill me. Anything now. You giving me a license mm. to knock people out, <laughs> and not only that, you gonna pay me? <laughs> this was like, wow! It, it, it really, it really was surreal to me. Like, I can't believe you gonna pay me to do something that I love to do, and pay me. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Where do I sign? <laughs> So this is really incredible. So, uh, and, and as, as we're talking, I'm just balancing a few things. So at this point, you're 20 years old. So you're still negative two years old at this point. So you're still you're still not around right now, right? Yeah, I got a son older than Okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely two years older than me. Don't so worry. He don't call him uncle. That sounds, that sounds like a Pakistani family anyway. He don't call him uncle. <laughs> I, I, I can tell him to get his nephew to call him uncle. Yeah. He can't do it though, because he's bigger than him. <laughs> So um, now you're in the boxing ring. You're 20 years old, you're in the boxing ring. Something's kind of very much clicked in your head that I don't want that life. This boxing thing can give me everything that I need in my life. Health, you know, wealth, you know, whatever, whatever a human being needs, I can get it from this sport. Now what's interesting, and, and I mentioned obviously we're here, we're here in Saudi Arabia, we're here in Riyadh um, at the kind of the eve of the fight week. Um, coming up between the headline fight, which is Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz. And I think what's interesting about you, Haseem, is that both fighters can learn a huge amount from your story. I mean, putting aside all the technical, all the ring experience, you started off late, which is similar to AJ. Right. But at the same time, you went on to have one of the biggest upsets in heavyweight boxing history against Lewis, which is the same as Ruiz against Joshua. So both fighters could learn from your story. Before we get to, obviously, the, the big headline fights, you're starting off, you had 10 amateur fights, uh, and then you transition into professional boxing. What was it like for you, or I suppose, what was going through your head when you went in for your first professional boxing fight? Wait a minute, let me backtrack Okay. When I fought Lennox Lewis, uh -huh. it wasn't an upset to me. Okay. I, I you didn't saw say it. This upset. You saw it when you started at 20. Yeah. And I saw it when we signed the contract. Okay. You know, <laughs> like, okay, okay. I'm going to win the heavyweight championship of the world. So, um, now, my, my first amateur fight, I mean, my first professional fight, I fought on a, um, ironically enough, I fought on a really ball on the cup. Okay. Ready to go for my stable mate Larry Down. Okay. In Las Vegas. It was a huge fight. Uh, and I, I fought, I really got to fight in front of the HBO executives. Mm -hmm. So um, it was, it was George Foreman was there. And he, wow. And George Foreman said, that boy gonna be champion. Mm -hmm. In my first fight. So I mean, I, 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 the, the guy I fought in my first fight, never fought again. <laughs> <laughs> Never fought again. So I was retiring people from the jump. So, That's a box good. right there, check it out too. 
So, so you're, I mean, these, these experiences where, where, you know, people are just like quitting the sport after you're fighting them, this must be kind of, like you're saying, the polygraph, your own internal polygraph. You know, you're, you're probably saying to yourself like, wow, okay, like, yeah, I, like I was actually right about what I thought. Did you have any doubts about yourself or were you always just like, nah, that, that was it, like, you know, that was just what was going to happen anyway. Did you ever doubt yourself in the ring? No. No. Um, in fact, I think um, part of the reason why I, I've incurred some losses is because I just know what I can do. Mm. And, 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 and the difference is, sometimes what I did was, <clears throat> I know what I can be, I know what I can do, but when I show up, I don't always check all the boxes in, in the training time. Right. So I just feel like I can do this, but it's not that you can just do this, it's I can do this if I prepare right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the difference is, like, have you ever heard of the saying, what well, depends on which Hassan Rabin shows up. Mm -hmm. and okay. that, and that's so true because guys might be, you might be one fighter this fight and a completely different fighter, depending on your preparation. Mm -hmm. And see, now with the guys that, that, that I'm training, I make sure that they're always prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, because the preparation is the key. And you may not be the same guy. Mm -hmm. You have to always Boxing is not a part-time gig. It's full-time. And if you, you know, you, you want to spend your money and take your time and do this and do that and think you can come in, come in the gym for six weeks and, and just get right back to top form, that may or may not necessarily happen. Mm. So why risk it? Just stay in shape. So like I've seen like people like Ricky Hatton, for example, these type of guys, they'll really blow up that so that's never going to be sustainable. This has, like, never. You see Mayweather like now even today he's ready, he's ready to right. go, right? That's the key. That's the blueprint. That's one thing. Always stay in shape. See, I didn't have a Floyd to, 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 to look up to, to for a blueprint. You mm. know, I, I didn't. It wasn't a Floyd for me. You know, and for me it was just okay. I'm just taking this journey, and I'm on my own. Mm. I'm learning everything about boxing. Mm. There was no YouTube. There was no. Yeah. There was no social media. There yeah. was no. It was none of these things that I could go and grab and learn from. I didn't have a big brother. Mm. I didn't have a family member that I could lean on that could show me the rope. I was the pioneer. I had to go. Mm. All this was just brand new. Mm. So, um, you know, I, had, I took some lumps and, and bruises along the way, which had, had I had a need to, 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 to mentor me, mm. none of it would have happened. Right. So, that's really interesting because it's so true. I mean, our parent generation, for example, um, they they look at us like, you know, how, how did these guys know so much information? But like, we're, we're able to literally, anything that I want to know, I can go to Google, I can go to YouTube, and I can find out. You know, someone asks me a question, you know, by the time they've finished asking the question, I've already got yeah, the answer, yeah, right? Yeah. So not only do you not have those um, access to information that we have today, but also, even even the fights, like the big heavyweight fights, they're all pay-per-view, so they're, you have to pay to watch it as well, right? Right. So, I mean, for you, when you were growing up, you know, were you watching boxing? Was, was boxing a thing for you? It, it was a thing, but it was a casual thing. It was okay. like, okay, Muhammad Ali. Okay. Like, I mean, like, 
Mike Tyson. You watched the Tyson fights and stuff yeah, like that, man. Yeah. Like the mainstream yeah, fights. Yeah, yeah, But did I know any of the top 10 contenders? Yeah. No. He's the only mainstream I was watching. <laughs> the only fight I ever watched. Yeah. You know, growing up. So, uh, what, what year did you have your first fight? December 94. December 94. So you were 22 then, which means uh, that's one. that was when you were one. Awesome. So, so at this point, in terms of your lifestyle, what was your lifestyle like? Were you were you close with your family at that time? Were you getting together and saying, look, yeah, I'm training? Or were you very much an independent by yourself doing your thing? And now, kind of, as you've grown up and as you've aged, you know, these things have become more important. What was your mindset like back in those early days? Well, for me, it was just about, I had already had, I had a, my own family. I already had a wife and a kid. Okay. So, you know, I was I was kind of on my own. So my mom and, and, and my dad, they was, they was still doing that thing. My father was still having kids. Mm. So, here go muscle, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I was trying to. He's blessed. He's yeah, blessed. I was trying to create my own legacy. Yeah. So I was out there trying to, you know, do what I need to do to become every champion in the world. That's what I, that was on my mind. So, um, you know, we, we, my dad, we would we would talk and we would we would um we was cool, but mm -hmm. I had to go out. I was on my own, so I had to go out and do it my way. I had to go Frank Sinatra this day. I've, uh, I've I've heard uh, from uh, there's, a, there's a guy called Sonny Bill, Bill Williams. He's a New Zealand rugby player, um, and he's won the World Cup with New Zealand a couple of times. But before that, I mean, this guy's a World Cup winning rugby player, right, for New Zealand, right? Before that, he was a uh, national champion boxer as well. So he's had two careers. And you know what he said? He said uh, someone asked him, "What's harder, boxing or rugby?" And he said, "Look, when you're playing rugby." But all these people around you, like you said, you've got the point guy, you've got this guy, you've got that guy. If you've got the ball, you know, you don't want to get hit, you just throw it to someone else. Right. And he said, when you enter a ring, Just all you. your friends, all the training, all the entourage, all the coaches, everyone who's around, oh, get out. none of them go into the ring with you. So and it's you just can't, you and you can't and the guy time score. You get hit with a good body shot, and knocks the wind out of you. You either gonna get knocked out or you gonna suck it up and, and deal with it, but it's all on you. Mm. You can't pass, you can't tag team, none of that. You can't do none of that. So it's it's um it's uh fascinating how you got one man and and, and it's to me it's 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 always a a, a challenge of who got the strongest will, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because in my mind, I can know I'm stronger than you. Mm. And when I hit you, if you don't show me what I'm looking to see, then um, maybe you might get me to start questioning my body. Mm. But I gotta know that this is hurting, you just not trying to show me. Right. But I know it anyway, I know it every time I hit you. I know it's hurting. Mm -hmm. Even though you might smile at me, you might look at me like, man, please, I don't feel like this. But I gotta know. Mm -hmm. So I gotta impose my will on you. Yeah. And you gotta really try to impose your will on me. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, a, it's a really such a chess game in it. That, that, that's that's um, really that's interesting. Game of chess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for example, like 
like when we watched the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, for example, right? 95% of the people watched that said the worst fight ever. And to be fair, I mean, they, they could have probably turned it on a bit more, but what I saw was just two masters in their craft just playing with each other, and not one of them is figure out. I saw one master. Yeah. Okay. I saw one master and, and, and one student. Because mm. one of them got taken to school. You know, I mean, Floyd just took him to school. It wasn't, it wasn't two masters. Wow, okay. It definitely wasn't two masters. And, it, and, and, it, and it's an old saying, it's levels to this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's levels. And, and Floyd just showed you, it's, I'm a, I'm a level of two or three or four above Pacquiao. Yeah, Pacquiao yeah. do the same thing. It was no no adjustments, no no game planning. Mm. He just wanted to go out there and throw, just throw a bunch of punches mm. and, and think he gonna hit Mayweather and hope he hurt him. Mm. And then he could just try to finish him. But Floyd was Floyd was was astute in his his game plan and he shut it down. And 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 he makes it look like people always say easy work, easy work, mm. easy work. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> It's not, so I tell all my fighters, no, it's never easy work. It's hard work mm. that we make look easy. Mm, yep. Because you do the, you, when, you, when you put in the time, mm. now you'll make it look easy, mm. but it's not easy. The reason why it's not easy is because of all the hard work you did. Absolutely. Forget what you do in that little 36 minutes. Mm. It's about them three weeks, them four weeks, them five weeks, them three months, mm. them six months, them six years mm. of work you put in for that 36 minutes. Yeah. All that's hard work to make the work look easy in that time. Mm. Fights are won and lost in preparation. Mm. You can't just show up and think you're gonna be ready to fight. Mm. It's, it's about, and, 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 and for the youngsters, it's about whether you're boxing, whether you're trying to be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, it's all about preparation. That's the key. Period. Hard work, dedication. Dedication is the key. You know, um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put your study time in. You gotta put your hours in. No matter what, no matter what you want to be. If you want to be a lawyer, you gonna, you gotta pass the bar exam. You gotta put in your hours and hours and hours of preparation. The same thing with boxing. You gotta put in hours and hours and hours of, of training, your sparring. Of, of everything, mm. so it's no different. The blueprint is the same. Preparation. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, on your timeline, who was the first fighter that you thought, oh, sh like this, this might be it? I mean, Evander Holyfield, Lennox. Did you, did you ever consider these guys like this guy? This guy might, you know, he might get me or anything like that. Were you ever afraid before I'm with never, the names never, and the never, cloud never, and stuff never, like that? Never afraid, but what the first one you'd be surprised. The first one that I that I I, 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 I was a little um, suspicious of, and I, mm -hmm. I thought I, they might be moving me too fast. Was um, Trevor Burbank, wow, former, okay. former heavyweight champion in the world. Mm -hmm. I've been ten rounds one time, and they put me in with a former world champion. So. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm so new to this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything is coming so quick. So now they say, oh, we'll put you on this phone world chat. Wow, wow. Mm. So, uh, but I just, I, I went on and did it. I beat him mm. and then just kept moving, moving on, moving on, moving. But with every win, your confidence meter just goes up. Yeah, up, yeah, up, yeah. Up, up, up. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, you know, I, I just felt like, man, nobody can beat me in this game. Mm. So. Who, who came first, Lennox or Evander? Lennox. So Lennox was, so this first fight with Lennox Lewis, right? Lennox Lewis was obviously like a household. Coming from England, like Lennox Lewis is, you know, he was he was the poster boy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as, you know, England's a small little island, right? So as soon as we get one person who's won anything, right? That's it, like, that's it, that's the guy, right? Yeah. So Lennox Lewis- Lennox represented Canada or Olympics? We, uh, we, we still claim him. <laughs> we still claim him. Does he claim Jamaica too? <laughs> he claims everything, we still claim him as well. I don't understand. <laughs> He's got the British accent, so we take it. He, he, uh, he got a uh, Canadian. He got, <laughs> he got a Canadian accent. Canada. Uh, Canadians want to be Londoners anyway. Oh, okay. Peace uh, out to any Canadians. I did that. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> so, so um, Lennox Lewis was his household name. He's the champ. Now, someone said to you, Asim, you're going to fight Lennox for the title. Before that fight, would you see that as a huge step up or did you feel like that was just the next progression anyway? Because you said Trevor Burbick was like, whoa, that's that's quick, right? right? Did you feel the same way about that first Lennox fight? Or were you just like, as you said, my confidence was building, I never doubt myself anyway. You know, you imagined knocking Lennox out when you started in the gym. Yeah, I did, as an amateur. I think I made a video and said it. To, uh, oh, no way. I, I got to find a video on the cassette team. <laughs> but um, I, I really called him and really go out. They was the G champion. Right. Okay. So I called both of them out at the time. Said I'm taking your belt. <laughs> so um, I definitely felt like I was born to be a heavyweight champion. Mm. So and this is this was my shot, and I uh, I felt like um, I just I just beat Corey Sanders who was one of the hardest hitting, southpaw, fast guys. And he was actually a world champion too, a WBU world champion. Mm. So I actually, I never get credit for this, but I actually won my first world title by knocking out Corey Sanders, right. who then came and knocked out um, Vladimir Klitschko. Mm. So um, you know, for me, I was gonna get a, a more recognizable world title, but to me, I was already a world champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, now I'm fighting a recognizable mainstream world champion. So I felt like I'm, this is my chance to show the world. In, in the build up to, to, to this fight next week, um, the whole AJ Ruiz thing, right? Um, we hear a lot of, I mean, especially in the UK, our, our UK media, they, they love to like really dig into a person, right? Um, and someone like AJ uh, has, has kind of, you know, now lost this fight and people are digging into him and even before the fight you know people are asking him like oh you know do you think you're gonna win because he's almost now become the underdog in this right at that point like you said you were never the underdog in your head but were people the press the media were people saying that about you at that time like oh he's the underdog and you know he's he, who is he how is he gonna fight Lewis and stuff like that I mean how does that impact you as a fighter it doesn't it doesn't. See, one, one thing about one thing about boxing, mm. it's, it's such a mind game. Mm. It's, it's such a mind game that um, you can either let it defeat you or you can let it motivate you. Yeah. And I would always take it as motivation because one thing, when, when I signed the fight, it was a big deal in my hometown. Mm. So people was coming up to me congratulating me. I heard you got a heavyweight championship fight. I stopped them all. Mm. 
don't congratulate me for he picked me. Right. Don't congratulate me. Mm. Once I go over here to South Africa and beat him, mm. and I come back with the belt, mm -hmm. then you can congratulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. So don't do that. So I don't get, I don't get, you know, sucked into the game when people play. Like, don't, 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 don't um, patronize me. Don't, mm. don't play with me like that. No. Let me go earn my congratulations. I didn't do anything to earn a congratulations at this point. Yeah. Oh, because he picked me because he, think he, he thinks he's going to knock me out. <laughs> he congratulated me for, for getting, you know, being picked to be knocked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, Lennox was a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, um, so nobody gave me a shot, and I gave me a shot. And since I'm the one got to get in there mm. and, and, and stand up to his punches and deliver my own, it's about what I think, about what I feel. Mm. It's about a fighter knows. A fighter knows. You can tell fighters who, who you can sense mm. what they trying to do. You know, um, when you get in there with, with anybody, you can, like I tell you, you can, you can see, you can tell if they trying to impose their will on mm. you, or, or if you going to impose your will on them. Right. So, when, when 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 you get in there and you don't go to the script, you don't follow the script. Yeah. The script was for me, Lennox, to hit me with that big right hand and me just to lay that. I wasn't, I wasn't going for that. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> so, so you, Mawson, at this point then would have been about eight years old, right? Are you, are you aware of what's going on at the moment? Are you? I was aware. Yeah, I definitely was aware. I was, I was back home watching at my, uh, a good friend of mine's house, and uh, you know we all anticipated Big Brother. Yeah. And, you know, Trying to figure out. I didn't really, as a matter of fact, I wasn't aware of how big the fight was. Okay. I was just aware that he was on TV and <laughs> he's in a different country. And that's, that's all I cared about. I was just like, that's my brother. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. everybody's talking about it at the school. I went to all Muslim schools. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting praised just because, you know, that's my brother. So, yeah. of course, I was happy. How, do, how does that affect you having a brother who's the world heavyweight champion of the world? Did that kind of get to your head at that young age? Did people try to make it get to your head? Was it something that people taunted you for for some reason? Do you know what I mean? Like people, if, if someone's got some success, other people want to bring you down. I mean, did that change your life? Did that change things, in, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, a little bit, you know, when, uh, when he first won, you know, for being in a Muslim school, mm. they uh, kind of praise you a little bit. And then you go back to uh, Baltimore City, people didn't bother you as much. Right. I wasn't really bullied like that, you know, out when I played basketball on the streets and all that, but, you know, because they knew who I was related mm. to. But um, other than that, I mean, they didn't put a chip on my shoulder. It just, it was just, that's what my brother was. That, that was just normal to you. That was normal that was life. Just, it was a normal thing to me. Absolutely. Now that makes complete sense. You don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. You, you only know what you know, right? right. Your brother's that's, that's, what champion. that's, that's my brother, right? That's it. That's what I knew. Did anyone, uh, have you ever used the line, I'm going to get my brother on you, when you were growing up? No. <laughs> you know why? Because he, 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 he I, 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 okay. really, I did, like I said, I didn't have to. People knew who he was. So they really didn't bother me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, he's 21 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he was more like an uncle. Okay. You know, than a, uh, than an older brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but all his friends would have my back. Okay. I wouldn't okay, really okay. have to worry about people because even though he, he, he might be out of town, but his friends would always ask yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. hey, how are you? You doing good? Uh, you know, you okay? So I was always looked after or something like that when I was, you know, out doing anything. So, you know. That's really interesting, actually. And that's something that I want to want to ask you, Asim, which is, so, so as I mentioned, you know, before uh, we started the podcast, that, you know, I've had a few videos, it, it went viral. And, um, you know, I was, I was getting, bro, I'm no one, right? I'm literally, I'm no one, right? People get viral videos every day, but I had people calling my phone and I didn't know who they were. And there was someone that I spoke to like seven years ago and they've seen like, this video and they're like, oh, what's going on? Long time no see, you know? How you been? You know, all this type of stuff. And, uh, and, and, and obviously like since, since a lot of the viral videos, I've kind of slowed down focusing on a few different things and a lot of the phone calls gone now, right? So, and, and that's on a very small scale, right? That's on a tiny, tiny scale a few people chasing some clout. What is it like for you at this point when the fight, you know, from when you start fighting, did you see that, all right, there's a few people that are, are coming to me, and then obviously when the big fight came, you know, the, 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 the mega fight, if you will, the Lennox one, is that when the phone call started? You know, when people started saying to you, oh, what's going on, I'm not seeing. How did things change for you from a, from a social perspective in the lead up to this fight? I mean, it's just, it's like, um, to me, I found out that I had um, so many relatives. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, a lot of uncles, a lot of cousins, a lot of brothers. I got, I got, I got cousins from, from everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I just know that my, my, when I was a chair, my family exponentially increased. <laughs> yeah. So um, all your friends did That's too. what it is. Yeah. And it's just that's just human nature. When people yeah. feel like they, they can, can they can get they something, can get something off of, yeah. they're gonna shoot their jumper. They're gonna yeah. try. Yeah. So, but for me, I always knew this because, like for me, like I was a I was a little kid. Like I was seventeen years old mm. with ninety thousand as, as a seventeen year old. Mm. So I was always kind of used to this anyway. Okay. So, so people I, knew you, you were about that life anyway. So I had a, I had a I had like like a. Precursor. I had uh, like a, a like a, a little trial mm. as a youngster anyway, because I always had money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I know how they come. I know I how they come. Definitely. So I'm already, yeah. I'm already prepared. So I, I, I knew how to handle. I know how to handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my club came from him. Okay. So I, I started. I got brothers that I didn't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got cousins <laughs> and uncles, and you know when he became champion. I had so many, hey, you know, I'm, I was a real good friend of your brother's. Okay. That, you know, so I learned that at a young age too. So That's almost like the worst form of clout chasing because they're not even chasing you. They're chasing your, his brother to then get to him, right? It's just chase, like, it's like layers I, of chasing I don't even know what they clout. were chasing. Because <laughs> he wasn't even around like that. He, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. You know, he's always either traveling. Just, when he came in town, yeah, we would hang out with him, but it was weird because everybody still wanted to just be a part of him yeah 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 so it was, it was strange so that's what taught me it was it was a lady that worked at a bank <laughs> this was the funniest to me so so my dad went to the bank and so the lady um they were some kind of way my name came up in the bank so so the lady at the bank was um was telling my dad mm. that she knows my dad okay 
I know his father. His father come there all the time. Talking to my father. So he said, oh yeah. He said, oh yeah, I didn't know I'd come in here all the time. So, I mean, it's just like, you know, okay, everybody want to claim something. Okay, I'm, I'm a Hassan Rogan's brother. I'm like, really? Which one? We family, baby. <laughs> no, you just ask which, which, which brother are you? Yeah, yeah. You're closest to which one? Oh yeah, so you my brother. Okay. <laughs> you know, man, it's just nuts. Everybody yeah. want to, you know, if, if you're at the top, everybody want to be part of it. Mm, yeah. What advice could you give to uh, someone who is going to go through that? I mean, what advice would you give to, to future champions, to future you know, entrepreneurs, to future leaders, right, in, in this way, in terms of the circle that you keep? I mean, just when you start off with a circle, try to keep it small and tight. Mm. Because as you grow, you might can make your circle bigger, but just know their roles and keep them in their keep them in their mm. lane. Because everybody that, that you add on, they they coming because of what you are, not who you are. Mm-hmm. So keep it tight. Let me just. So so as we as we uh, we've touched upon it, but I wanna I wanna speak about it in a bit more detail now, which is which is the actual fight itself with with Lennox. So in the build-up to that, um, are you, uh, you know, um, the, there's a lot of, for example, uh, you know, for example, if you remember Drell Miller and AJ, I mean, there's pushing and shoving and, you know, what, was it like that? No, not for the first fight. Okay. First, the first fight, he thought that this guy would knock him off anyway, right? Yeah. So there's no, there's no need for him to have any animosity. Yeah, it was, it was no, it was no, um, it was no animosity whatsoever. I felt, I always felt like um, I was picked, mm. and I was offended by being picked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because I actually was supposed to fight Lennox earlier. Okay. Me and David Tour, we had an eliminator. The okay. winner fights Lennox Lord. I beat David Tour, and I got blatantly cheated out of the fight. Mm. So, so um, I was supposed to be undefeated fighting for the undisputed heavyweight championship for But obviously they worked out that way. Um, so when, when he picked me, I felt like, wow, you had a choice and you picked me? <laughs> I felt offended. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I put my, I put my uh, go to work, mm. get home, and I went to work. So I trained hard and uh, I knew, I just knew that I was great become heavyweight champion of the world. As you're training, you're doing those runs, you're you're hitting the punch bag. Are you putting yourself into the ring? Is is that is that what fighters do? Do you put yourself into the ring when you're, you know, in the gym, and then kind of when you're in the ring, you're thinking about the gym again? Is is that how it works in your mind? That's how it worked for me. Okay. And actually, yeah, that. yeah. Actually, for me, right? When, when when this fight when this fight happened, I went to South Africa. Um, like a month early. Okay. And 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 climatized and all right. that. Right. But what happened to me is I felt like I was Muhammad Ali mm. in Zayed. Okay. You know because I was the young Muslim. He was the big, uh, uh, the big dominating yeah, champion. Yeah, yeah. And like he was George Foreman and I was Ali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I was running, 
all the people they, they just they just surrounded me right. when I was running the streets. No and way. It was the it was almost like deja vu. Wow. I felt like Cassius. I felt like Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this big bear of a man, <laughs> Lennox Lewis was supposed to come and kill me. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. George was supposed to kill me. So when I was running around, the people started running with me yeah, and things yeah, yeah. like that. And I, oh, it was just more confirmation to me okay. that this is going to be the same wow. thing. It's going to be the same thing. So I felt like I'm going to leave right now. I was like, it's going to be, it's going to, I'm a, I'm a, you know. It was just I'm, destiny I'm, I'm for a, you. I'm going to slay the giant like Ali did. Mm. So that was just more confirmation to me. Like, the people was around, they loved me, they embraced me in South Africa. They didn't even know me when I got there, but before, before I left, they knew me, they embraced me, they came out with me. You know, so um, it was just like, felt it the whole time I was there. Every time I, ever since I agreed to the fight. But when I went to South Africa, it was just like, I got a stamp on the food, you know? So it was like, I was in Zaire. It was like, to me, that was my one more in the jungle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. No, that's super, super cool. And now in the fight, kind of talk me through the fight as, as things are going, you know, what what's happening? In terms of your mindsets, because you said before, you know, you'll you'll hit someone, they'll get hurt, but they won't show it, right? But you'll know it. Right. Did you do you feel that when you're punching someone that oh, I know I got him there? You, I know you, I got him you there. Learn it. Yeah. You learn it. You know, especially he's teaching me that now. Like, you know, you can punch, so you gotta you gotta already know. Like, it doesn't matter what he showed, he felt that punch. Yeah. Regardless yeah, yeah, yeah. of where he's going, he felt that punch. And you got to keep at him regardless of what. He can smile and all that. You got to keep going at him. Because you know that he's hurt. So it's almost like you don't care how he reacts. I'm hurting this guy. And I'm throwing my best shots. This guy's getting hurt. I expect him not okay. to show me any reaction. Okay, okay. You know, I expect him because if he showed me a reaction, he knows I'm going to jump on him. Mm. So I expect him to give me a poker face, mm. bluff face. You don't want to show me that. You don't want to show me any of that. And ironically speaking, when I hit Lennox in the fourth round, he smiled at me. Right, that was your sign. Yeah, he yeah. messed up right there. <laughs> he smiled at me, so I'm like, okay. We're fighting. We're trying to hurt each other here. Yeah. No place for smiling. Yeah. So, where you going to smile? Okay, you felt that. <laughs> right, okay. So I just, you know, just filed that away. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I heard him, so I know. I heard him once, I can hurt him again. So, um, you know, the fight to me, honestly, was like an even fight in the fifth okay. round. No, I thought, I thought it was pretty much an even fight going into the fifth round. Mm -hmm. And um, the round before, he smiled at me, so I wanted to really hit him. Like, I wanted to, you know how you, you check, check your kid's temperature? I wanted to check the temperature okay. of Lennox. So, you know, I, I, I got him to the ropes. I, I jabbed him across the ring to the ropes. And then I checked the temperature. He was sick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, you had to go to bed that time. Yeah. You know, had a fever, yeah? I him down. <laughs> I had to go see the doctor after that one, I'm sure. So now you're world champ. Champion of the world. Right. Ten years ago, what were you doing? Today, you're world champ. What, you know, how, how is that? 
impacting your mindset? Did that did that take you, you know, to a place where you know you yourself were probably uh, like, for example, you see um, in uh, in Rocky, right? He, he wins the belts, he gets all the the luxuries that come with that, and then he gets kind of, you know, as they say, he starts sleeping in silk sheets. Did that happen with you, or, or you know, what, what's happening now after post becoming world champ? I pretty much always try to stay the same mm. because uh, because uh, you never know what the future holds. So uh, I always try to live a life that I can always live. Okay. You know, I never wanted to. Wow, live, I, I never wanted to live like. Like let me go, let me go Hollywood, so to speak. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I never wanted to do that, you know. In fact, we had a neighborhood, um, like an Islamic neighborhood that we was developing. Me, my father, and some of the other. I, I, want, I um, purchased a house in the neighborhood uh-huh. so I can be amongst, you know, the Muslims. Wow. So um, I never wanted to be that guy that that that. Um, Blew up and left people up behind. Yeah, not only that, but that people couldn't couldn't talk to you, couldn't, couldn't right. you know, like if if it was three hundred people in a place and every one of them wanted my autograph, I signed them all. Mm. I signed every one of them. Like I never wanted to be. I never got my phone number changed. Right. I had this the phone number I had. Mm. I had before I was world champion. Mm. I never wanted to be this this guy who. Who now all of a sudden mm. you can't reach him? Mm-hmm. Like for me, I always felt like I was I was pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And it's some it's some um, mean streets in Baltimore, and I would walk those streets yeah. as champion by myself. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I always wanted to be just just me. Mm. That's who I am. You know, um, and uh, like I would always tell tell my kids, listen. They would read, you know, when people, writers such as yourself, mm-hmm. the media, y'all, y'all write what y'all want to write, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's good, bad, or different. And sometimes people will write things that hurt my, my kids' feelings. Right. They read it because my kids were young at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so I'm saying, listen, they don't know me. They don't know you, mm-hmm. dad. They just know rock. The yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a rugby team, a soccer team, a football team. Mm-hmm. Do you, I used to tell them, do you say things sometimes? When your team make you mad, you be like, oh, they sorry, they sorry, they this, they that. But then when they win, yeah, that's my team. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like I'm a franchise. Stop it. They don't know me. They, when they're writing, they're writing about the fighter. Mm-hmm. The fighter and your father are two different people. Wow. And if you don't, if you don't differentiate yourself from the fighter you are, you can really, you can really get get your mind screwed up in this game. Mm-hmm. So, so too many people think they are that fighter. Mm. No, that's your that's that's something different. I'm an individual. Whatever I did in the boxing ring mm. or didn't do, that don't define me as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a Muslim. Mm. That don't define me at all. Mm. It's two entirely different things. Yeah. And too many people try to be one and the same. I never wanted to be one and the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know I'm not. And I know when this box is over, I'ma still be me. Mm. So that's why, that's how I was able to deal with a lot. And I was never, I never really played into the 
the lights, the camera, the, the action, because I know it's only, boxing is only a short span. Mm. But I had, to, I had to, the, 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 the wherewithal to understand this is it's only going to be a small amount of time. And no, every, no matter what you do, Floyd Mayweather never lost a fight. Mm. But so many people criticize him and yeah, hate him yeah, yeah. and talk bad about him. Like, for what? How you want to argue with something nobody never lost? <laughs> but people will find something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People will find something to criticize you about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, okay, let them criticize you. Rock the box of all they want. Mm. They don't know rock the person. Mm. So go ahead. No problem. You said something like super duper profound there, which uh, it's, it's just ringing in my head. And, yeah, I, and yeah. I just want to ask kind of about that again, which is Talk to you said, I wanted to live a life that I could sustain, right? So even if I had, you know, four million here, six million there, whatever the purses were, right? right. I still wanted to, I, to maintain a life that I could live forever anyway. Right. You grew up in the hood, right? Like you said, people that are on the wire are the people that you associate with. Correct. What you've said there is advice, life advice that probably 100% of the people out there should and could take on board. Where did you pick that up from? Where, where did you learn that? What, what made you think that way that? Because so many people, like even Andy Ruiz, you know, I mean, not to say he's, he's complacent, but you can definitely see the, the 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 trappings of his success now with the G wagons and the Rolls Royces and all that type of stuff, you know. I'm not taking anything away from the training. I mean, I've, I'm not his coach. I'm not his trainer, and I only see what the media shows me, right? So right. they show me what they want to show me, right? Right. But you know, someone will look at Andy Ruiz in this way: how the media are portraying him, that you know he's he's flashy, he's, he's fancy, he's, he's blown up now, right? And they'll probably follow that. But I think what you've said there is probably life advice that. We should like get. I mean, if tattoos were halal, bro, I'd tattoo that on my arm right now, bro. Just remind myself of that every day. Right. Where did that come from? Like, how did you start thinking of that? I mean, it's just I just feel like it was just in me. Like, I know the people I'm around. Like, I didn't. I, the people I'm around were not that affluent. Okay. It wasn't. But these are the people I would be around all the time. Mm. So if if if, 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 if even I'm gonna if I'm gonna make it comfortable for them because these are my people. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to be around these, these these people and be a totally different guy than the guy that they raised. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just, I just switched up everything. It, it really sounds like, you know, having a family grounded you and it was probably the best thing for you, for you as a person. That, that's what uh, it sounds like, right? 100%. You know the the crazy part. The, cra the crazy part is I'm not so sure I would have had a a, a, a son so early. Mm. But I didn't think that the way my life was going, I didn't think I would live to see 21. Mm. So I had a son. I had a son, and this is really to me this was so selfish and unfair to him. But I had a son because I you know my mom used to tell me. You know, you you gonna do something special. She used to tell me that. Mm. So I, I felt like I'm I'm just a big disappointment to her. Right. Because I'm not even gonna live to see 21. <laughs> so I, I had a son. I named him after me, 
and I was just like, whatever she thought I was gonna do, he could do. Okay. So I just put it all on him. So for you, you were just like, I need to create a legacy for myself before I'm taken out. It wasn't so much for me because like, I, like thought I, be, I thought I was going to be dead, but I actually had it for my mom because she used to okay. tell me that I was going to be this special thing. Mm. I'm going to do something special. She used to always instill that Smart in lady. me. So I, but I, I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get it. Like, okay, well, I mean, I was, I was fairly smart in school, but I chose the another route. So now, when as soon as I chose the other route, let me, let me have a son for her so she can, whatever she, whatever dreams and aspirations she had for me, he can get them. He can mm. give them to her because I ain't doing nothing special. Mm. So, I thought I'd be either dead or in prison for life. Mm. What, what can I do special in either of those places? SubhanAllah, it reminds me uh, of what Allah tells us in the Quran that, you know, when you uh, have children, He will provide their is. He will give you that is, so it, it kind of it kind of sounds like having your child is Allah and, and your boxing career was Allah's way of giving you that is for for this person that you are now in charge of you're right. responsible for. I mean, would you would you oh, spot on? Yeah, spot on. And it's easy it's easy to just go ahead and put it in that perspective now. Yeah, absolutely. because after the fact, it's like <laughs> okay. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But while it's going on, it's like, okay, well, I don't, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. All I know is, I'm not doing the right things. Yeah. So, let me have this little boy. What year was your son born? Ninety-one. So that's three years before you even stepped into a ring as an amateur, and ten years. Two years. Two years. I walked in gym in '93. '93. Okay. The first fight was in '94. The first fight was in '94. And. That's so your son was ten at the point of the length right. fight. Right. So it's almost like ten years of you one decade. Not knowing like what's happening, how am I gonna provide for this kid to then you've had the child and you're ten years later you're world champion and, and that's so inspiring because I know there's a lot of people who, you know, don't want to get married, don't have kids because they feel like I can't afford it. Afford you know, I can't afford kids and actually, you know, Allah's telling us no that that's not that's your responsibility. Right, right. That's my responsibility. You have that right. kid, he's my responsibility. Right. You know? Right. So I think like what you've said there is I've actually got like you can see here, bro, like I'm <laughs> tingling, bro. That's mad. You gotta talk to me more often when you wanna get like <laughs> <laughs> I'm a holly, bro. Whenever I feel you down, I'll see you, man. I'm down, bro. Yeah. So okay, cool. So I, I wanna kind of um um move forward now um into the, the present day. So you had uh, an illustrious boxing career. You were a two-time world heavyweight champion, linear, linear heavyweight champion as well. Yeah, actually, actually, I won my first world title against Corey Sanders. Yes, you were saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't get credit for that, but he was one of the hardest hitting guys not Klitschko out in two rounds. Wow. And he had a world title. And I actually took my first world title for him in the year 2000. So just... <laughs> That's interesting, actually, because uh, because uh, Vitali retired. He didn't even want to fight you, did he? No. <laughs> he was having trouble with spar partners who I knocked out on a regular. So I know he yeah. didn't. He didn't want no smoke. He didn't want no smoke. 
oh, it's fine. He just gave it to you. That's right. <laughs> he was like, I don't want none of that, man. Because I was reading about it, like he was just like, oh no no, I've got this injury, and no no no, I've got this injury, no no no, yeah, this injury on my back. And... So then I had to go fight for interim title because I knew. Yeah that yeah yeah. Was, um, he he was in one fight. So, so through this boxing career, at what point did you decide to hang up your gloves and how hard of a decision was that or, or how easy of a decision was that for you? Well, it was, it was for me, um, I really stopped training, mm. you know, and then, and then as, as you get older, it gets harder. Was it a loss of love or was it just that you were getting older and your body was just you know, telling you like oh, this is it was difficult. just it was it was just like I don't like to say lazy I just like to say I just really enjoy doing nothing okay so yeah, me too work. yeah I, I, just, <laughs> I just like to um, and when I was younger I could really do nothing and then in three weeks time I could be in tip top shape right okay but you as a fighters think that when they do something they can always do it mm. we can always do it right I did this, so I knocked him out, so I could do this. And it's not about you being able to do it all the time. You got to prepare yourself. Mm. If the preparation is there, you can't do it. Mm. You cannot do it unless you always prepare. Mm. But fighters and their egos and their bravado, we always think that we can we can do it. Mm. Now, once you get older, you can go and train the same way that you did when you was in your 20s, in your 30s. And then once you get 40, okay, you did all that and, and you, you don't see the results. Mm -hmm. The metabolism slows down, you know, the energy is not the same. It's a whole different ballgame, but we refuse, we refuse to submit to Father Time. Mm -hmm. And Father Time is undefeated. So you're going to lose if you, if you try to fight into your old body. Our egos keep telling us we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. Mm. So, um, do you feel like going back into the ring? I do. Would you fight Evander again? Because he wants to get. I back will. In. Yeah. Set it up. Whoa. Yo, Evander call Holyfield. Him out right now? Call him out, Evander Holyfield. Hey, look here. Hey, headquarters. I call him headquarters because he uses head. He <laughs> head. Yeah, 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 yeah. So headquarters. Headquarters. Let's go. You want to fight? The Rock is ready to rock your world, boy. Come on, sign it up. Yo, Vanda, Vanda, let's make this happen, man. Let's make that rematch happen. Yeah. Well, can we put a helmet on? Huh? Can we put a helmet on? Yeah, you can do what you want, man. Yeah, we're going to put a helmet on. A winning helmet? I think it'll be, uh, <laughs> I think it'll be a little lighter in his head. So if he hit by me with the helmet, it'll be, yeah. be okay. <laughs> No, we just uh, we just make sure that uh, the ref and the judges aren't. Uh, aren't I don't need no. They were the ref and the judges right here. That's it. <laughs> That's all I need. So so. Once you you hung up the gloves, it wasn't like you said. It wasn't that you lost love for it. It was just that you enjoyed the relaxation element of it. That the you know, the fact that you didn't need to fight anymore. And and this realization that. Um, I wasn't putting the time in now. It's like, okay, I would need, well, I would need three weeks or four weeks. Now I might need six months. Mm, okay. 
it's still a way you can do it, but you just got to recognize right, that, okay. okay, now it's got to be done this way or it's got to be done that way. It's, it's a recipe for it, but you just can't do it like you used to. So a lot of people, from what I've read, were saying that, look, uh, in that first Lennox Lewis fight that you had, he underestimated you. The rematch that you had, did you underestimate him? <coughs> Actually, I did. Because um, you got to realize this. I knocked them out in South Africa. And then we had press conference, and we got into a tussle. Mm. In press and I kind of manhandled him at right. the press conference. So I'm looking at him like, this guy is really just too weak for me. Mm. So now, <laughs> so now, I, I, all the adjustments need to be made on his part. Mm. Why, why do I need to make an adjustment? Right, okay. He made the proper adjustment, right? He made, he definitely fought me totally different mm. in, the, in the second fight. What, 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 what is really, really crazy and unfair is that we never gave me a chance to make an adjustment. Mm. And have a, I have like a, a chiller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, if you give me, now seeing the adjustments he made, mm. okay, give me a chance to go and make some adjustments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have a, a, a third fight. Because it's one all, isn't it? Right, and I think that, um, I think that, um, you know, you give me the opportunity to make an adjustment, I think you see a very different fight in the third fight. You know, you know, just as you're saying this in my head, uh, like, it, how amazing would it be, right, if some of the old school fighters like Lennox, Evander obviously wants to come out, you know, you've called out Evander Holyfield here, would you get in the ring again with Lennox Lewis if he wanted to fight to for that, for that one all? Listen, you already know the answer to these questions. <laughs> Anybody I ever fought, yeah. ever, yeah. I will fight again. Get it again. Yo. Let's get it on. Lennox Lewis versus Rahman. Evander Holyfield Rahman. No headbutting. Any fighter, let me let me just say that. Any fighter of my era, right? Any fighter that was in the top ten in the nineties. Hold up. If they want to fight, we can we, we, we can we can do that. It's not even what about fortune. It's some fighters that I never got a chance to fight. I'll be your Huckleberry if you want it. <laughs> they want it, they can get it. It reminds of uh, Dillian White. He says, "I'm the can man. Anybody who wants it can get it." Yeah, something Broner like that. Said that huh? Broner said that. Broner said it different. You Broner know, said yeah, like African, American, Mexican. Anybody yeah. can get it. He, ah, okay, okay, he okay. said it. Yeah. So, so Dillian White kind of piggyback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I I go for that. They can get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick. In fact, in fact, speaking of Dillian White, mm -hmm. I have a fighter that I'm training currently named Michael Hunter. Yes. Dillian, you can get that. Mm -hmm. now, he, he should be coming over here, right? Yeah. He's training with Tom Little. Uh, what I'm telling you is that we, we're fighting Pervecan on this call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After we handle our business with Pervecan, Dillian, you can get some of that Michael Hunter smoke. We'll come fight you in England. Next. That would be sick. I think that would be an amazing fight. Let me just stop and start. So as you mentioned, you've got a fighter. So you've got a fighter now, Michael Hunter. You've got your brother, Mohsin. 
So now you've transitioned, you've done what a lot of sports people do is once they've mastered their craft, you know, they've, they've gone through the process themselves as a professional, they then want to hand down the keys to the people, you know, who are trying to trying to come up now, right? So did you go straight into straight into coaching afterwards? Was it a natural thing? Was it something that you, you know, had decided that, okay, after a few years, I want to get back in gyms, you know? What, what was what was your uh, thought process behind becoming a coach and I suppose how is being a coach different to being a fighter other than not actually getting hit in the face all the time you, you know it's actually funny right it's, it's actually funny um, it's something that I always used to say but I never realized that it was happening to me right it's I used to say um, you want to make a lot laugh tell them your plans hmm. right so um, <laughs> I always said that I would never be a trainer. Right. I don't have the patience to be a trainer. That was my plan. Mm -hmm. The last principal of the said, no, I'm putting you right there. You're going to train these guys. And then it just happened that I got into the training. And uh, you know, now I got, I got two sons that box. I got a little brother that box. And I got Mike, who's like a little nephew or something. He's been like a family member to mm -hmm. me. So it's like, I got these guys that, that, that they look up to me. They look up to me as a man, as a brother, as a father, as an uncle, as a, you know, like, I, I got these guys that they trust me mm -hmm. with, their, with their livelihood, you know, because every time you get in that ring, anything can happen. So it's, for me, I gotta do my best to prepare them, you know. Um, and I, I, I try to give it to them. All the mistakes I made, I try to eliminate mm. from them, you know. And I try to really, really work out with them and, uh, and let them know, listen, I'm super, super strong. And I'm, I want them to all be stronger than me. So now, I motivate them. Mm. When I go, when they can see me coming in and do this stuff at my age, mm. So now I just let them know, look, the world champions can do more than me. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get to this, let's do that. You, if you can't get past me, we don't need to be doing this. Mm -hmm. So I can't be outworking my, my the fighters. So I, I use that as a motivation to them. Because mm -hmm. I still, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in good shape. I can still work out with them, you know? So um, I try to get them everything, every little, Every little I, I try to dot. Every T, I try to cross. And uh, it's going to work out. It's been working out. It's going to continue to work out. Inshallah. Inshallah. So, Mohsen, um, now this is kind of where I, I want to kind of um, speak to you because at this point, um, you know, throughout Hasim's career, you know, you were a kid, you were growing up. And it's almost quite fortunate that you had this big age gap because now that Hasim, you know, has hung up the gloves, he's actually now actually I'm gonna take them off and put them on you mm -hmm. so you, as you mentioned uh, you know you've got some other brothers you've got some other family members you've got kids why did you think that I also want to be a fighter as well because I'm sure like not everyone in your family not all your cousins and brothers not everybody wants to be a fighter right no. why did you think of all your family members and all your friends and everyone there that you know what I'm a hafid of the Quran, but I want to bang man's out in the, in the boxing ring. Like, how, how does that how does that thought process even kind of intertwine together? Well, like Hasim said, you know, it's you know, 
you plan the <laughs> law plans and the laws of blessed planners. But I was in Boston, you know, being security. I was trying to go back to college, mm. and uh, we got in a little tussle at the uh, at the uh, club, mm. and. Um, Hit a guy to the body. He was like, "You should come to the gym." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Nah, nah, 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 nah." Well, he said that to you. Yeah, they, one of my coworkers. Okay, okay, oh, okay. And okay. I was just like, "Nah, I'm okay. Like, I, I know about boxing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's just not my thing." And uh, the how, crazy. How old you this point, like 18, 19. I was twenty-one. Oh, you're twenty-one. Yeah, I was twenty-one. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So is that I, where this I, is from? We late bloomers. Yeah, we late bloomers. <laughs> we all. I only had nineteen amateur fights. So, um, but yeah, I, I told him no. I was like, I, I already know about boxing, but that's not my thing. I'm, I'm about to go. I'm, I was an athlete, yeah. you know, okay. but I'm, I'm trying to do something else. And the crazy thing is um, I got into an argument with, with uh, you know, with a family member, and I, I need to leave Boston. Okay. And a um, brother that's in the middle of us was like, you know, well, come to Vegas. You know, you can box. Mm. So I was just using it as an excuse right, to get okay. out of out of uh, Boston. And when I got here, you know, when I got to Vegas, I was like, you know, I was kind of, you know, kind of bullcrapping about it. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I fell in love with it. I, I really, you know, kind of embraced the sport. Mm. And, you know, it, it changed my life after that. Definitely. In, in what way? What did you learn? Or I suppose if I ask it in a different way, what was the biggest change that you saw in yourself? once you started training to be a boxer? Well, like Hasim said, it's, it, the boxing ring is a, is a truth serum. Mm. So the things that I doubted about myself, the things that I didn't know about myself, they all came out in the ring. Right. How much willpower I had, how much pain I could take, what could I do, how much power did I have, how much you know, mental st- um, you know, fortitude that mm. I have to, to really get past those things, how much strategy. You know what was my uh, strategy like when I when I got in the ring, and um, it it changed my life as far as you know how I think when I'm playing a game, how mm. I think when I'm uh, you know trying to trying to keep the Quran, all of that. It it all gave me more discipline to my life. Mm. You know, so that's why I really fell in love with it. And of course, after that, I was like, I gotta beat uh, his record. You know, so that's the. <laughs> there you go. Especially with him being my being my coach. Yeah, you yeah. know, he's not that brother that's like you know jealous of, of, of my accomplishments. Mm. He's the brother that's like, I want you to be better than me. And he tells me, I want you to be better than me. I want you to do what I couldn't do, and I want you to do what I what I should have done. Mm. So, how, how was it for you? Obviously, you had an illustrious heavyweight career. Your what, what weight class are you in? Heavyweight. You're a heavyweight class. Yeah. So so, it's that's interesting because. You're both in the same weight class, but obviously your statures are very different. Even when you were fighting, you were still a big guy, right? So what's the the kind of the difference between being a big, big heavyweight compared to someone who's a bit more lean? And again, it's it's a bit like the whole Ruiz Joshua thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, one guy's a bigger guy, one guy's a slim guy. What's the difference? What what, what does he need to focus on as a heavyweight of his stature? stature? You need to, uh, first of all, he's strong. So the punching power is not a problem. But um, he can he can, he can can do what heavyweights don't like to do, mm. and which is 
he got the power of a, of a, of a heavyweight and the movement and the elusiveness mm. of a light heavyweight. So when you bring that mix, almost like a David Hay. Right, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Hay was like, yeah, yeah, you're punch. right. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a small yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. but he could punch with the, the best of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But punch with the best of him, but, but can move. Mm. Can move. And, and that's, that's where you get heavyweights. Most heavyweights are lazy. Mm. They don't like the movement. You just want to stand there. You hit me, I hit you. You hit me mm. like Neanderthal. Mm. You know, just, argh, argh, I'm going to hit you. You hit me. <laughs> who can take it and who can knock yeah, each other? Yeah, yeah. That's my thing. I like to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I, get a, if I got a guy who can hit me, move, he on this side yeah, of me, yeah, that yeah, side yeah, of yeah. me, you know, he got he got good lateral movement. Yeah, that's yeah. sickening to me. That Ali-esque almost, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. So, um, that's the type of um, fighter he's going to be, you know. Yeah. He can punch. He can, you know, he can punch. He can fight orthodox. He can mm. fight southpaw. Uh, he can knock you out with either hand. But that movement, the leg move, the in and out, the lateral movement, mm. it, you know, just that, that's a frustrating style. Right. But if you can punch with it, it makes the, it's pleasing for the fans. Mm. You know, because they're not going to see him just come right out lock up and just bang, bang, yeah, bang. Yeah, yeah, what they fun. will see is um, a defensive, uh, defensive-minded puncher, you know, where where he hitting you and you're not necessarily hitting him. Mm. So stick I and almost move, wish move. I, yeah, not, not necessarily stick and move, but beat you up, move, mm. beat you up, move, mm. you know, but um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm actually rather excited to watch his progress and watch him. And like, what you gonna see with Mike Hunter, mm. you gonna pretty much see this, this a lot like how he, he fights. Mm. You know, and I, I like I like my fighters to have um, two, three, four different styles. Mm. You know, two, three, four, five different game plans. Mm. Well, he already know what I want him to do. You know what, you know, all right, okay, well, let's do this. this I can say a key word, and he he, he, he already feel, mm. he already know which what what I want him to do. Right. So okay. I'm, okay. So is, is that is that what you're now doing as a co and is this what coaches do? Like you're in the ring, mm. and it's almost like you're playing PlayStation where you're like X, you know, and you're like, oh, right, so I need like to, that, you know what I'm right. saying, I need, oh, okay, that's a straight right. cut. Is right. that is that what it's like? Yeah. And yeah. and the good thing about it is, the good thing about it is our team, we like we like one unit, mm. so. Him, he spars with Michael Hunter, mm. he spars with my son. They all help each other. Mm. You know, they all like it's like what they they want success with each other. There's no jealousy, no animosity. Mm. It's like we all on the same accord. One same mission. mission. And yeah. also another thing, he, he's better than PlayStation. He's he's kinda like the, the programming. Mm. You know, you already know what you can do. He's programming us with PlayStation. Mm. If you stop saying next, then the fighter's not yeah, going to say yeah, X yeah, anymore. Yeah. They're not going to do anything. He has a where, okay, I'm going to put this controller in, and the fighter's still going to do what it's going to do because he's programming us yeah, 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 while yeah, we're yeah. training to know exactly. If he doesn't have to say anything, then, you know, that's even better for us. We don't have to really wait for him to hear or something. Sometimes you might not be able to hear. Sometimes you got to think yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. and if, if he's teaching me how to think like him, well, do this or, or you know, kind of switch up the game plan in there. You know, you could talk about it after, but you know, inside, you never know what what the circumstances are. So it's like the gym is where you build those instincts. Absolutely. That's no, no, 
No, it's not the gym. Okay. It's got to be a mindset. Okay. Period. You know, like, oftentimes, him and I, we together a lot. Mm. And it's not the gym, and it's just about his mind. Mm. I'm always just trying to put it right. in his mind. Okay, okay. Like, I'm just trying to make him mean it, because he's naturally a nice guy. Like, he's a nice guy. But I don't want that to translate into the ring. Mm. You know, so it's like, I, I got to do work. Like, I got I to kind of deprogram a lot of these yeah, nice guys. Yeah. And try to reprogram a lot of mean stuff. Yeah, so I'm always on him. I'm always mm-hmm. talking some some mean stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he think I'm always picking on him, mm-hmm. but I'm not picking on him. I'm actually just trying to get him a little meaner. Because yeah, yeah. I never want the nice muscle to be in the ring mm-hmm. and, and, and 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 the nice guy kick in. Mm-hmm. You can be as humble and as nice as you want to be mm-hmm. outside the ring, but just know and get in the ring. Yeah, when it's a monster. switch. It's a switch. So I'm always constantly, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. about just the gym. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to instill in him like, all right, let me just get a little meaner. You know, I love to see him a little meaner. I remember, because cause, uh, I, I used to do boxing quite a lot for about three or four years. And uh, well, I thought you said this was going to be 45 minutes. How long was it? Yo. <laughs> We, we, we could, we could. <laughs> no, sorry, but if you want to stop, I thought no, you were. No, I mean, to... go ahead, go ahead, but I'm just saying, that's, I mean, you know. No, no, we'll, we'll wrap it up in the next, like, 10, 15 minutes. Okay, uh, Yeah, sorry, bro, I, I didn't really, I thought we were just uh, into it, but, um, uh, so, so, uh, cool. All right, so let, let's talk about the event then, right? Let's do it. Cool, so you've got Michael Hunter versus right. Povetkin. I shouldn't have gone down there. He started to, I need to be me now. He's like, oh, we stop this interview now. You know what I mean? Yeah, you made me me. He <laughs> pulled the mean out of me. <laughs> no, we need to go. Uh, so, so we've got Michael, Michael Hunter versus Povetkin, right? Povetkin right. is someone who is, is a big name. He's a very, very big name um, heavyweight fighter. Right. Um, what's the, I suppose, what's your thoughts on the fight? What's your pre-fight analysis, how do you think things are going to go? I think um, Mike will really put on a boxing clinic. I think with, with, with our team, boxing IQ collectively, um, I don't think there's nobody can match it. Mm. You know, I just think the way we strategize, the way we come up with, with plans for each and every different, every fighter, they're always different. And uh, Mike is going to get his boy a, a clinic. It's going to be a boxing clinic. We're going to beat him every round and then stop him. And probably be seven, eight, or nine. So the plan is to soften him up, keep, keep, get, get him soft and then take, take, take his head off in the seventh. Yeah, but at, at the same time, we all, if we get an opportunity to take him on the first, we'll yeah, do that. Yeah. So it's, we're not going to stick to the game plan like, okay, soften him up. If we see, we're going to strike when we, when, when the first available opportunity. So, um, um, and, and Pavekin and Pavekin is a, a, a heck of a fighter, and, 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 and Michael Michael Hunter went to the Olympics, but he didn't get gold. He didn't get gold. So, um, I tell Mike, this your gold medal fight. Mm. This your gold medal fight. Mm-hmm. So just to give him that much more motivation. Yeah. Like Pavekin won gold. This your gold medal fight, Chad. Mm. And then we fighting for the title. So um, you can go ahead and, you know, I don't like to pick on the birds, but we can kill two of these birds with one stone. So let's do it. So your hope is uh, after this fight, someone like Dillian White or is there anybody else that you, you've got your eye on that you want? We just want a title match. Okay. This is a mandatory. Um, 
This is the eliminator. The, the winner of this fight gonna be uh, in line for a um, major title. But um, like I said, Dillian White, if you wanna, if you want it, you can get it. I'm sure you don't want it, so I don't wanna keep going down this street. Mm -hmm. But um, we would love to fight Dillian White in England. No, we don't sick. need him in America. We will fight him in England. We can right do your hometown. Yeah, we can do Wembley. We can do wherever you want. <laughs> o2 Arena. Wherever. O2, O3. <laughs> wherever he wants. So just to kind of um, uh, wrap things up on, on this podcast, um, uh, as we've mentioned, obviously, throughout this, uh, the headline fight is uh, Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of parallels between you know, your career and both the fighters that they can take from this, right? Andrew Ruiz is in a similar position to yourself where everybody underestimated him before going in and he won and he's got the belts. Now he's going in for this rematch, right? And you've got Anthony Joshua, who is almost the same as Lennox Lewis, where he, he picked Andrew Ruiz, you know, he didn't you know, do his research or whatever it might have been, he picked Andrew Ruiz and the style was completely wrong for him. Now, a lot of people are writing Anthony Joshua off, even in England. Um, others are just saying it's 50-50 but no one is, is actually saying that AJ is going to win definitely you know or, or Andy Ruiz is going to win definitely what, what's I suppose your prediction for the fight how do you see that fight going um, it's, 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 it's a problem because I, Michael Hunter and Andy Ruiz respond so I, okay. I know that I know where Andy is right now mm. um but I don't know where AJ Joshua is, yeah, yeah. you know, so it would be foolish for me to just give a prediction because I never know what kind of style um, AJ is coming out with. Mm -hmm. But I can say this, if he comes out and try to fight anything like he did last time, it's going to be the same result. Okay. If he comes out and try to box and move and use his height and distance and reach, mm -hmm. I give him a shot to, to maybe possibly outbox him. But that's he gotta stay away because if Andy gets to hit him, mm. it's a knockout. And is this, uh, I suppose, the last question that I want to ask you is: uh, Is this? Uh, do you think that Andy Ruiz has a hard chin because this is a heavyweight boxing? Someone can get punched. That's it, right? Do you think Andy Ruiz has a chin on him that can take an AJ punch? Do you think AJ's got a chin that can take a Ruiz punch? I do think. Um, I do think uh, Andy can take. Um, AJ's punch. Not so sure that um, um, Anthony can take Ruiz shots. That's why he has to keep the distance mm. and uh, and not, not not get into a slugfest with Andy. Mm. Andy would love nothing more <laughs> than a slugfest. Yeah. You know, and this and, and like I said, I've, I've I've been in camp with um mm. with uh with uh, uh Ruiz and uh him and Michael Hunter been 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 been, been sparring. So um, I, I pretty much know um, Andy's ready. Mm. What about you, Mohsin? What, what are your thoughts on it? I'll say the same thing. Little, you can't really say what uh, what Joshua's going to do. Like you said, mm -hmm. I've been in there to, to see what Andy can do. Mm -hmm. I know he's in shape. So we'll just see, you know, what Joshua comes out. It's kind of um, ignorant for somebody to kind of make a prediction, not really knowing what adjustments Joshua's yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. And he has said that he's, he, one thing he specifically said is, I've changed my style. 
That's yeah. even more reason why we really can't can't, can't pick predict. Mm. You know, like who, who knows? His style may be suicide for him. Mm-hmm. Or it might be the best thing since sliced cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, we'll see. Absolutely, Hasim Rahman, Mohsin, Kason. Kason. <laughs> Let me start again. Hasim Rahman, Mohsin, Kason. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time. Proud, it's yeah. been an honor and a privilege to be sat next to you. Like I said, I remember watching you uh, on my TV, knocking Linux out. That's right. And now I'm sat next to you. And the thing about it is, you might get to see it again if one of these guys take us up on the offer. No, ah, 100%. 100%. Right, let's get it. Yo, make sure you do that for me now, right? <laughs> So, let's get it. So let's get it, guys. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Hit these guys up on their subscribe. social media. Subscribe. You heard him, right? I'm going to get him on you yeah, now. Subscribe or I'm coming to see you. I'm <laughs> real hard on that door. And he's coming to England as well to fight Dillian, so that's going to happen. But anyways, listen, I've taken up too much of your time, uh, and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much, brothers. Yeah. 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 Man, how long was that? Probably about an hour and a half.